All right, hello, Christ community. So glad you're here. Uh, greetings to our West Campus uh, that meets at Northridge High School, as well as our traditions venue that meets at 15th Street at the Fireside Room. And that service has more traditional music. So if that's something that you're interested in exploring, feel free to check it out um, at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So we are officially in the Advent season. Black Friday has happened. Hallmark, Hallmark uh, Christmas movies are on every night, multiple channels, right? Cozy 101 is playing Christmas music 24-7. So we're in it. Officially, whether you like it or not, whether we feel like it or not, it is here. Now, usually in this season, I like to create a separate teaching series that focuses on Advent themes. But honestly, I've been really enjoying um, our journey through the book of Luke, and I didn't really want to stop that. And so I began to look at the passages that were coming up in the book of Luke, and I realized that they actually highlight some Christmas themes, even though they're not passages that have to do specifically with the birth of Jesus. And it made me realize, I mean, isn't that really our ultimate goal, that our experience of the spiritual realities of Christmas would be an everyday thing. They would become an everyday thing rather than a, a once a year experience. And so for the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to continue our journey in the book of Luke, exploring some Christmas themes that we find beyond the manger. That's why we're calling it beyond the manger. Christmas themes that arise from Jesus' everyday life and ministry. So the passage that we're looking at today helps highlight a uh, this question that really is at the heart of Christmas. And that's this is question. Why did Jesus come? What was Jesus' purpose in coming to earth? Now, obviously the short answer is he came to save us from our sins. That is absolutely true. But he spent over 30 years on this planet before ever getting to the cross. 30 years before he ever got to the cross. And in that time on earth, he clearly articulates and powerfully demonstrates his purpose in coming. Luke describes this purpose early on in the, in the book of Luke in chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. This passage really is the blueprint for the entire book of Luke. And it occurs at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. He went into a synagogue on a Sabbath day, and he was invited to speak. <clears throat> and so he grabbed the scroll to the book of Isaiah, um, the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament, and he read these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, from the beginning point of Jesus' ministry, he clearly declares his purpose. He declares why he came. One, he came to preach good news to, the, to those in despair. Two, he came to set captives free, right, to, to set people free. And three, he came to bring healing to people who are sick. That is the mission of Jesus. That is why he came, to bring this powerful movement of restoration into this broken and hurting and dark planet. So what we see happening then in the book of Luke, that was chapter four, we just read. <clears throat> what we see happening in the book of Luke then is this mission that was described in chapter four, this mission being accomplished. 
So we see Jesus preaching good news. In fact, we've been looking at many of the passages of Jesus teaching where he's talking about the good news, right? We've also seen Jesus setting captives free. A couple of weeks ago, we saw a passage, we looked at a passage where a woman who had been crippled by a demonic spirit for 18 years, Jesus set her free, right? And well, so in the passage that we're looking at today, we see the third facet of Jesus' ministry that was described in Luke chapter 4. We see it's this ministry of healing, See, part of the reason that Jesus came was to bring healing to this broken world. You know, I think of the familiar Christmas carol, a favorite for many, Hark the Heralds, right? Remember, there's this line that says, um, Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. See, Jesus came to bring healing into our lives. And Luke shows us this aspect of Jesus' ministry playing out in, in various circumstances, including the passage that, that we're looking at today. So if you have your Bible or Bible app or whatever you're using right now, if you have one of those things, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 1 which is where we find ourselves in this journey through the book of Luke. So let me read this passage, beginning of verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. This is God's word. Now what this passage we just read, what this passage shows us in a very powerful, very dramatic way is Jesus' heart to heal. Jesus' heart to heal. That's what's on display here. There is very little in this passage that focuses on Jesus' ability or power to heal. That's sort of a given. It doesn't say the power of God came on him. It's, 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 that's not the focus. That is not the focus in this particular passage. What this passage highlights is Jesus' heart to heal, his willingness, his desire to bring healing. And the way this is highlighted is, is, is by the contrast that Luke presents. So Jesus' heart to heal is in, placed in direct contrast to the heart of some very prominent religious leaders, some Pharisees, very important Pharisees. These guys were told that, that these guys were experts in the law, and they were probably a part of a group of, of, of leaders known as the Sanhedrin, which was sort of like the Supreme Court for Jews in that day. So these were the guys who made the determination about whether or not Moses' law was being accurately followed. And so Jesus here at this dinner, he is in this, he is in very elite company. He is in very powerful company. And he's there for a reason. See, Luke tells us early on, he tells us that he's being watched. Jesus is being watched. See, this was not just a social invitation. No, apparently Jesus had been invited to dinner by this prominent Pharisee, by these leaders. 
for the purpose of them trying to catch him in a violation of the law. And so, so, we, read, uh, so we read that when Jesus came to this meal, we're told that there was a man there who was sick. Now, the language here seems to indicate that this man was not a guest at this event. He was not a guest. He was not an invited guest to this event. But rather, he was probably intentionally placed in Jesus' path. See, no doubt these Pharisees had heard word that Jesus sort of had, had a habit of, of healing people on the Sabbath, which, as, as we're going to see, was a, a no-no. It was a, for them, it was a huge violation of their own religious rules. So it appears here that they're trying to trap Jesus by placing this physically ill person right in front of him on Jesus' path, wanting to see what Jesus would do. Now, Luke tells us that this man suffered from an abnormal swelling of his body. The term that literally is used, some of your older translations may have this word, the, the word dropsy. Today, this condition is, is referred to as edema. It's a condition where the soft tissue in a person's body gets filled with fluid, usually. And so that's why there's, there's swelling, right? So it gets filled with fluid, but it's usually due to something else going on in the body. So it could be like heart failure or something like that. And that's causing this, these symptoms. <clears throat> now, some, some historical records indicate that, that many religious leaders in that day considered this particular condition um, an indication of sin. That, it, that for them, it was an indication, it was a result of sin in someone's life. It was sort of a sign of God's judgment. Okay, so, so here's the scenario. By placing this guy with this condition in Jesus' path, this is a test. It is a, it is a test. These leaders are wanting to see how Jesus responds to this sinner, in their mind, right? As well as whether or not Jesus obeys their Sabbath law. So they're, they're setting him up here. Now, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the Pharisees were not evil people. They really were not. They sincerely wanted to help people follow God's laws. And one of those laws in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, was the, the, the law about the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath by keeping it holy, by not working on that day. And so that's a very important commandment. <clears throat> so in, in, their, in their desire to help people obey that particular command, the Pharisees created this list of all these like hundreds of things that you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. For instance, if you looked in a mirror and you saw that you had a gray hair and you wanted to pluck it out, you technically could not do that on the Sabbath. That would be considered work. <clears throat> there were hundreds of these rules that they had added to the actual biblical commands. And as I mentioned a moment ago, one of the rules they added had to do with healing. They said that healing on the Sabbath was okay only if the person was dying right there, okay? If, if you're, you know, ready to call 911 or whatever, that's the only, if, if the condition was life-threatening, that's the only time you could, you could minister healing to someone or pray for healing. So that's the backdrop. Jesus comes across this man. He's probably on his way right into the home, and they maybe set him right by, right there, so he couldn't miss this man. So Jesus sees this man who is very ill, but he's not ill in a life-threatening way. He's just sick, right? But he's not dying in that moment. And so what is Jesus going to do? 
Now, he really had only two options, right? He had only two options. Ignore the guy. He could just walk past, which is what the the Pharisees were going to do, and they typically would do in that situation. Or he had the option of stopping to minister to this man. Now, what I, what I love about Jesus' response is that before he ministers in any way to this man, he asks the religious leaders a question, a brilliant question. It was so brilliant that these high-powered lawyers didn't have an answer. Okay, that's a brilliant question. They kept silent, right? How often does that happen? A lawyer who doesn't have anything to say. I mean, that's significant here. Um, But he asked this question, verse three, is it lawful? So again, this guy's here. He hasn't healed him yet. He just stops. They're all watching him. And here's this man in this horrible condition. And Jesus just says, hey, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Now, what was so brilliant about this question is that by asking it, Jesus actually put the Pharisees in a trap. See, they were trying to trap him. He actually puts them in a trap because if they answered no, it wasn't lawful to do this, then it would indicate their lack of concern for this man. That would be vividly on display, their lack of concern. But if they answered yes, it is lawful to heal on the Sabbath, they would be violating their own traditions and their own rules. So they were totally stuck. They were totally stuck. And that's why they didn't answer at all, right? Better just not say anything, you know, when you're in that situation. And see, what's happening here is they were not being driven by love, Right? Jesus' ministry in Luke 4, his job description, it was all about love. They were not being driven by love. They were being driven by fear and by cowardice and control. And Jesus calls them on it. He totally calls them on it. Verse 5, this is where he really calls them on it. He says, hey guys, if, if, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? I mean, that, that is the issue. And Jesus totally nails them on this here. If your child fell into a well on a Sabbath day, would you just sit around waiting until the Sabbath was over while your child was screaming for help? Of course not. You would not do that. None of us would do that. And we all know we would not do that. Why not? Because love would compel you Love would compel you to act. It would would compel you to immediately and instinctively do something to help your child. So why not in this situation? Why not in this situation? Here is a man suffering from a painful, embarrassing, debilitating physical condition, and it's a Sabbath day. But he's still suffering. He doesn't get a day off from this. He's still suffering. Why would you not, and this is what Jesus is asking, why would you not instinctively and immediately try to help this man? It's because their religious laws got in the way of their heart. (laughs) That's what was happening here. Their religious laws got in the way of their heart. They lost sight of the most important Commands, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the most important commands. The entire law 
can be summarized in those commands. And yet their man-made laws cause them to totally miss God's heart in his commands. Totally miss God's heart. Okay, so Jesus not only exposes their hearts, he does that very clearly, he exposes their hearts, but he also then, and this is so cool, he then demonstrates God's heart. So he exposes their heart, and then he demonstrates God's heart. Luke tells us that Jesus took hold of the man. We don't know what that means, except it, it, it's some kind of, I mean, we do know it kind of means grabbing this man in some way. There was some physical contact. He grabbed hold of this man, and he healed him, and then he sent him on his way. <clears throat> he sent him on his way. And, and Jesus did this knowing full well how upset it would make the religious leaders. But you know what? Jesus didn't really care about that. <laughs> he didn't care what they thought. He didn't care about their rules. He cared about this man who was suffering, and he chose to do something about that. <clears throat> That's the point of this passage. It is Jesus' heart to heal. It is Jesus' heart to heal. Jesus came to earth to bring healing and wholeness to this broken world. Now, sometimes when you hear pastors or Christian leaders or whatever talk about scholar types, talk about Jesus' ministry of healing, they many times they will only focus on how healing was this demonstration of Jesus' messiahship. So the reason, they would say, the reason Jesus healed was in order to prove he was God's son, his, prove his identity as God's son. But here's the deal. Sometimes you can see this in scripture. Sometimes Jesus actually refused to do a miracle when people were, were wanting him to do a miracle to prove his messiahship, right? Sometimes he would actually refuse to do that which tells us that his purpose in his healing ministry was beyond simply proving something. It was beyond simply authenticating his ministry. Here, here's the deal. Jesus healed people because that is his instinctive response to suffering. That's why Jesus heals people. It's because his instinctive response to suffering is that response of compassion. I mean, God's heart breaks at the suffering of humanity. His, his heart is moved by our suffering, which is part of the reason that Jesus came. He came to bring healing, physical, emotional, relational. I mean, the shalom peace, prince of peace, right? The shalom peace that Jesus brings is a whole, that's the word shalom. It means a whole bodied peace. It is a piece of emotions. It's, the, it's a piece physically. It is, it is whole body. He's the prince of shalom. It is Jesus' heart to heal. Now, I realize this raises all sorts of questions, which we're going to try to unpack in, 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 in a moment. But before we go there, I want us to just sit in this truth for a moment. I want us to sit in this truth for a moment. It is Jesus' heart to heal. His ultimate heart is not our suffering, although he does use suffering, but his, his heart for us is wholeness and healing. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? One of the gauges to measure 
the level to which we actually believe that is how instinctively and how often we pray for healing for people. I mean, think about this. If, if the Bible revealed to us, reading the Bible, it revealed to us a Jesus who couldn't care less about our suffering. If it revealed a Jesus who just walked past hundreds of people who were, who were physically ill or whatever, and he, he didn't do anything about it, maybe he couldn't do anything about it. I mean, if that's the Jesus that we would have in scripture, if that's the picture of Jesus we would have in the Bible, it would totally make sense for us to not bother him with prayers about healing. It would totally make sense. I mean, why ask him for healing if he doesn't really care? If we know he's not interested in that or he's not able to help. But that is not the Jesus we see in scripture. It's not. He is not that way at all. I mean, the picture we are shown over and over again is a Jesus who instinctively heals because of his compassion a Jesus who instinctively moves towards people who are, who are suffering. A, a Jesus who responds to even a mustard seed of faith. A Jesus who is willing to heal a man even when he knows it's going to tick off all these religious leaders. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the Jesus that's revealed to us in the Bible. Which brings me back to my initial question. If that's that Jesus revealed to us in the Bible, why don't we more often and more instinctively ask him for healing? If we know this is his heart, why not ask him to do this? Why not ask him boldly, believing his heart is to heal this person? Again, again, I, I want us to think about this question. I want us to, this is so important. Do we believe it is Jesus' heart to heal. Do we respond to the people who are sick around us? Do we respond to them in a way that reflects this heart? In other words, are we praying and ministering to people, fully believing that Jesus' heart is to heal? I wonder how this might impact our praying if before we jumped into a prayer to God for healing, you know, oh, let me pray. Before we did that, I wonder how it would be impacted if we just stopped for a moment and we reminded ourselves, it is Jesus' heart to heal. That is his heart. His heart is moved by this person's situation. It is his heart to heal. We're not, we're not begging him for something that he's hesitant to do. We're not begging him at all, actually. But we're, it's not this idea of prayer. We're begging him to do something that he really is not, he's kind of hesitant to do. No, we are, we are praying. When we're praying for healing, we are praying in alignment with the ministry he demonstrated on earth, with the heart that he consistently demonstrated. We're praying in alignment with that. Okay, now with that foundation, it's really important. It is Jesus' heart to heal. That's the foundation. But in, with that foundation, let me address the elephant in the room, okay? Um, if it is Jesus' heart to heal, why doesn't he do it more often? Why do we so often find ourselves in situations where maybe we are praying earnestly for someone's healing and it doesn't happen? We, we just had a, a memorial service uh, two weeks ago for a wonderful 49-year-old man who for 18 months had valiantly 
battled cancer. And in the midst of that, he just maintained this amazing faith in God throughout the whole thing. And bold prayers for healing were consistently, frequently lifted up by many people in this church and beyond all around the world. If it is Jesus, if it's Jesus hard to heal, why did Mark die? And I'm sure there are many of us here have a similar story, right? Raylene and I have been praying for 16 years for our son, Joshua, to be able to talk and, and, and function normally. And while there has been just incremental, very slow progress, there has not been healing um, the, in any, really in any significant way, the healing that we long for him. So, so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? See, somehow we have to process these things with this foundational understanding of Jesus' heart. Right? We have to process these questions with this foundational understanding of Jesus' heart. We know it is Jesus' heart to heal. That doesn't change. His heart does not change. So how do we fit these examples of healing not happening into this understanding of Jesus' heart? Here's how. We have to realize that Jesus' heart to heal, this, his heart is expressed in a bigger story than we can currently see. See, Jesus is working on an eternal time frame. He's working in an eternal time frame, but we're working in an immediate one, right? We're living in this immediate one. That's all we can see which so often causes us to miss Jesus' heart. I mean, if Jesus doesn't answer immediately, or at least in our, in our time frame, we conclude that he doesn't really care. <clears throat> it must not be his heart because he didn't fit and do what I wanted him to do in this time frame. You know, he must not care, <clears throat> which would be a totally wrong conclusion. There is nothing about our current circumstances that change his heart, the reality of his heart revealed over and over again in scripture. His heart has not changed. But he is working in a totally different time frame than we are. And that is huge. So let me explain what I mean. <clears throat> when Jesus came to earth as a baby, all hell broke loose. Seriously, all hell broke loose. I mean, Herod tried to murder any child under the age of two, and he did. Mary and Joseph had to flee for their lives. Why? I mean, just the baby. He was just born. Why did they have to flee for their lives? <clears throat> because this child, Jesus, this child was on a stealth mission to drive back the darkness. So when Jesus grew into a man and began his ministry, he talked all the time. Primary theme of his ministry and teaching, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He was ushering in the kingdom of God is here. He said he was ushering in the kingdom of God. And as a part of this kingdom of God, Jesus healed people from their diseases and the conditions that have been a part of this broken world since Genesis chapter three, he's healing people, right? And then he rose from the dead and he pours out his spirit. So he empowers us, his followers to continue in this kingdom ministry by proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating the kingdom in these ways. Okay, that's, that's all that's going on here. But, but here's the deal. Even though Jesus initially brought the kingdom, he did. He initially brought the kingdom. Even though that's the case, it is not fully here. It is not fully here. See, we are in this time period. We're in this period of time often referred to as the now and the not yet. And we're in the middle of that. The now and the not yet. We're in between Jesus' first coming 
and his second coming. And at the, at the second coming, remember the first coming, he, he initially brings the kingdom. At the second coming, the kingdom of God will be fully realized. So that's when the Bible says there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more crying, no more conflict or murder or drunk drivers or cancer, right? That's at this point. It's in the, when the second coming happens, the kingdom will be fully here. This new earth will be this complete expression of, 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 of all the fullness that we're longing for, the fullness that from Genesis 1 and 2, it's going to be restored to the way it was before the fall. So that's, that's, where we're, that's where we're headed. But we are not there yet. We're not there yet. So we live in this in-between, the now and the not yet. So there's a now of the kingdom that it is here. Yes, it's here, but it's not fully here. And we're in the middle of that. We're in the middle of that, which means that sometimes we will pray and we will see amazing evidences of the kingdom. We'll see people healed. And it's like, wow, right? And then that means that other times we will pray just as earnestly. We will pray with just as much faith and, and, and passion and all of that. And, 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 and nothing will happen. None of that changes Jesus' heart. None of it. None of it changes Jesus' heart. His heart is to heal. But sometimes that healing is delayed. See, I, along with many others, were praying for Mark to be healed. And when I received that text um, a, a couple of weeks ago, that, the text that he had died, my first thought was, God, why, why, God, why didn't you heal him? And then my second thought was, you actually did heal him. You did heal him. He is now whole. He is now complete in you without pain. There's no more pain in his body. No more cancer in his body. He's healed. I mean, think about this. Every person that Jesus healed when he was on earth, they died eventually. Even Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, he died. There was a funeral, right? And Lazarus was dead, okay? So every person that even Jesus healed eventually died. That doesn't say anything about his heart. It doesn't say anything about his power. It simply speaks to the time frame in which Jesus is operating. Our timeline is often immediate. His timeline stretches to eternity. There's a huge difference. And here's, and here's the other piece of this that we must keep in mind. Jesus is at work even in our suffering to accomplish his glorious purposes. Now that doesn't, please, this is not some, I'm not trying to make some trite phrase, you know, and trying to minimize the excruciating pain that, that many of you may be experiencing right now in the midst of just grief and all that. I'm not trying to offer these trite things. I'm not saying that. But I am, what, I, what I am saying here is because he has a purpose beyond our pain, it gives us hope beyond our pain. See, it gives us hope beyond the pain we're experiencing. I mean, when I look, when I look, and Raylene and I have often talked about this, when we look at our lives, when I look at all that God has done in my life and in my family and in the lives of countless other people because of my son Joshua's disability. When I look at that, I am in awe. 
And in a weird way, I don't know if I would choose a different path. I don't know. When I see how God has orchestrated and used Joshua in our lives and in the lives of so many people because of his situation, I don't know if I had a choice. I don't know if I'd choose a different path knowing what I know now. See, we we have a God who loves us. We have a God who longs for our healing, who at times brings that healing in response to prayer, and it's so cool. And yet we also have a God who is able to orchestrate our pain in such a way that will ultimately bring him glory. He's just viewing it from a totally different time horizon and framework than we are. Now, I'm sure that you have heard, we've all heard, Bible teachers who will say that it is always Jesus' will to heal right now. And they'll quote from Matthew, and Jesus healed all who came to him. And and so, so in this framework, if healing isn't happening, it's God's hard to heal right now. If healing isn't happening, something must be wrong on our end. I mean, that's the conclusion you have to come to. We're not praying the right way. We're not praying with enough faith or enough trust. We're not believing God's character enough. We're not standing in our own identity and our own authority in Christ. Something's wrong, right? If, if healing isn't happening, and it's always God's heart to heal right now, something must be wrong. <clears throat> Now, there's one passage in the Bible that I find is so interesting that I never hear um, anyone talking about in, in healing conversations like I was describing before. I never hear this passage being brought up. But look with me at Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. We're going to have it up on the screen here. Paul's writing to a group of people <clears throat> whom he led to Christ. <clears throat> so it's this church there. He led these people to Christ. So what were the circumstances in which he ministered to them. He starts telling this story. And look at this, verse 13. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, this was not just a cold. This was a significant thing. You did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Paul, the apostle Paul says, it was because of an illness that he preached the gospel to them. Now, we don't know many specifics here at all, but we do know that had Paul gotten sick and prayed for healing, and had he been immediately healed, these people would not have heard the gospel from Paul. God used an illness to actually advance the gospel. So I don't buy this idea that that God never uses suffering or illness for his purposes, that it it is always his will to immediately heal. I don't think scripture presents that. What it does present, what scripture does present is a God who is using all things to accomplish his ultimate purposes, to bring about the complete restoration of the earth, the, the fullness of his kingdom one day, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And so he asks us to live by faith in the meantime. He asks us to live by faith, to trust that it is his heart to heal whether that healing comes in this life or in the life to come. Either way is good. Either way is good. It doesn't change the heart of Jesus at all. 
Now, having dealt with that elephant in the room, I want to go back to the question I asked a while ago. If it is Jesus' heart to heal, why don't we ask for it more often? If it really is his heart to heal, why don't we pray for healing more often? Not, not as a guarantee of healing, but certainly as a, as a request for healing. I mean, the, the, the truth is God is still healing people today. One of our healing prayer team members handed me a, a, an envelope a few weeks ago. And he did it out of the blue, just got handed to me. It was sealed up and, and I, I read it later. He's on one of our healing teams that prays at the prayer experience on Sunday afternoon between four and six. And you hear me mention that quite a bit. Every Sunday afternoon, we have a listening prayer teams and healing prayer teams. He's on the healing prayer team, one of those. And so he handed me this, this, this sheet of paper. So I open up this envelope and I read on it, he lists, he listed the recent results from the healing prayer times just in the past few weeks. So here are the things, just from the past few weeks, here are the things he listed. Neck arthritis, gone. Aneurysm, gone. A tumor in the eye, gone. Need for a bone marrow transfusion, avoided. No brain damage from oxygen deprivation of an infant. Viral infection, healed. Now I, I can add to that list a friend of mine who attends here um, recently had a heart issue. His heart, it was kind of an arrhythmia thing. So he had to, his, his heart would just start beating rapidly and it was kind of freaking him out, right? So he went to his cardiologist. Cardiologist told him, you know, I think we have a procedure that, that would probably help, no guarantee, but we can do this procedure. It would probably help your situation. So he was waiting, this, this friend of mine was waiting for the doctor's office to call and set up an appointment. It was on Friday. I think they, he was waiting for them to call. They never called. Well, then that weekend, this man went to church, came to church here. And during a healing prayer time we had in the, in the service, the, the person up front at that service just mentioned that we've been praying for the service and we really felt like there might be someone here with a heart issue that God wanted them to be prayed for. And so this man heard that. And so when we went into prayer, he sat down and some people gathered around him. He immediately said to me, he immediately felt better. I mean, it was like, he just immediately felt better. And that was three months ago. I just saw him this morning. He, he has had no recurring incidents of this issue. None. So there was no need for this procedure. He didn't do it. There was no need for the procedure. See, God is still doing stuff like that. His heart is to heal. Our job, our job is to believe his heart and to pray boldly for healing and then to leave the results in his hands. Even if he doesn't heal in the way or the timing that we desire, we can still trust his heart. We can trust his heart. That ultimate healing is coming one day. So let's boldly ask him to heal, knowing that it is his heart to do so. We'll leave the results. We'll leave the time frame in his hands. But he wants us to ask because it is his heart. Okay, so let's pray together. And I want us just to just quiet our heart for a moment here. And if, if you're new to Christ's community or you're, you're just kind of exploring this Jesus thing, we're so glad you're here. I don't want you to feel any pressure to participate, but you certainly can. I'm going to kind of guide us in some prayer things here. You are welcome to participate, but you don't have to. But for the rest of us here, I want you to think just in, in the quiet of your heart about this question. Do I really believe it is Jesus' heart to heal?
So God, I just want to ask you to thank you for your word. And I just ask you to um, uh, fill our hearts with this truth, this vision of you from the Bible about your heart. Here's this man. Pharisees would just walk past him. Here's a man. And you, you instinctively move towards him. So thank you, Jesus, that that is your heart. And I pray that, that we would believe that as we pray. We would believe that. And then we would just trust you. We would trust you with the results. But we're going to ask. We're going to ask. So here, here's what I want us to do. <clears throat> we're we're going to have a time, obviously, if you're been around here a while, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. We, we want to have a time where we pray for healing for anyone in our congregation who would like to receive healing prayer. Now this is, and, and I'll explain the logistics in just a moment. It's real simple, but this includes anyone here. Maybe you've had a condition that you've prayed hundreds of times for. You've prayed dozens. It just feels like you're praying constantly for this. Hey, you know, the Bible encourages us, keep asking, keep on praying. So unless you have a sense that God is saying no, then I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep praying, keep receiving prayer, keep asking for prayer. The other thing I would just want to say, we're going to pray for healing. Sometimes it only, in our minds, it only counts if it's 100%. But you know what? Improvement is a really good thing. Um, so if we have a condition that a pain that actually lessens significantly... That's a really good thing, and we ought to rejoice in that. I don't know why God didn't go all the way. I don't know. I don't understand this stuff. But if, it's, if our pain lessens, that's improvement, and we can say God is, is moving. And so I want to just kind of put that paradigm out there that it doesn't have to be this 100% only counts sort of a deal. We're just going to ask God to pray. And so, so there are a few, as we've been praying, the way this is going to work, in just a moment, I'm going to have everyone stand, and this includes those of you at West Campus and Traditions Venue. I'm going to have everyone stand, and then those of you who would like to receive prayer for healing, we're just going to have you sit down right where you are. You don't, you're not going to have to say anything. You don't have to share your condition or whatever. Just sit down. And that sitting down is just a, a step of faith, saying, I'm going to ask, and I want people to pray for me to be healed. So you'll just sit down and then people will just gather around you. Um, the people that are seated around you, they'll just gather around you. They'll place a hand on you. Some of them may, and if you're doing that, if you're gathering around, you can pray silently for the person. You can pray out loud for the person. And while you're doing that, I'm going to pray as well, just on the microphone here. And we're just going to ask God to bring healing. Now, as we've been, we knew this topic was coming up. So we've been praying this week, just trying to listen to the Lord to see if there are any specific conditions that he we just feel like the Lord may be bringing to our mind. And so there are a few things that um, I and some other um, people planning and praying about this have had come to mind. So let me just mention them. One is migraines. A couple people really felt migraines. And I had this sense, just this pressure. I don't know what that means, but a sense of kind of pressure in your head. Ear, ear pain. Someone got the word oblique. I don't even know what that is. I think it's in the body somewhere. Um, but, but if that resonates, the oblique. Um, someone got a broken relationship. Again, this is more emotional, but a sense of broken hearted, broken relationship. Um, ear pain, spine, um, some breathing issues, um, joint pain, and then foot issues. And then one other thing was just digestion. So I know that's a lot of things and we're just praying. We're just trying to be attentive. But sometimes in hearing that, you may say, that's me. I feel like I want to receive prayer for that. 
Um, and so, so why don't we, and you don't have to sit down just for any of those things. I was just kind of mentioning those that were kind of on our heart. Um, but it could be any, any condition, any situation going on. So why don't we all stand? This is real simple. We're just all going to stand. And if you are in a wheelchair or whatever, when I'm going to have people sit down and they, if they want prayer, if you're in a wheelchair or a situation like that and you want prayer, just raise your hand so we kind of know that, that you're asking for prayer as well. Okay, so now if you would like to receive healing prayer, we're just going to gather around and just pray for you. Um, we won't ask what the condition is. Just go ahead and have a seat right now. could be the things that I've mentioned. It could be something completely unrelated to any of those things, but you want to receive prayer for healing. So just go ahead and sit down where you are and just quiet your heart and just kind of be in a posture of receiving whatever the Lord would have. And now the rest of us, let's move around. Let's make sure everyone who's seated has some people gathered around them, that no one who's seated is just there by themselves. So let's gather around, folks. And this is fun. We just get to be the church here. So don't freak out about this. Just and if you're if there's no one near you, that's all right. Just join your prayers and let's just we're gonna pray for God's healing to be poured out. Okay, looks like everyone has someone around them. So let's just begin praying. You can pray quietly, you can pray out loud, and I'm gonna pray loud enough for all of us here, okay? And let's just join our faith. So God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for this vivid demonstration, one of many, where you show us your heart to heal, that you move towards this man with this condition, and you healed him. And so in that, because of that, we believe it's your heart to heal. And so we ask for your healing. We thank you for these dear people who, who had the faith to sit down and to say, I need a touch from you, God. And so you see all the people who are seated and you know their situation, God. And we get to be the church here and just gather around them and love on them and just put our hands on them. And so we do that right now. And we pray for your healing power to be poured out right now. We pray for healing power to be poured out, that pain would be gone in the name of Jesus. Pain gone in the name of Jesus. Migraines gone now in Jesus' name. Pressure gone. Ear pain gone in Jesus' name. Lord, whatever situation with the obliques, we pray healing there in the name of, of Jesus, Lord. We pray for healing of hearts from broken relationships. God, you would bring healing there. You would bring a straightening of the spine. Lord, we pray for breathing issues, fullness of breath in people's lungs, Lord, and for joint pain to leave and, and foot issues, Lord, pain in the feet. We pray that would leave. Now, you would bring um, uh, 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 peace into these muscles and tendons and throughout the body, Lord, that, that's causing this pain. We pray for peace now. We pray for digestion issues to be healed in Jesus' name. And whatever other condition is represented here, we are asking you to touch this now. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill these people. We bring every cell in their body under your authority, God. And we pray for peace. We pray for healing and life. We pray for cancer to be gone, Lord. Diabetes gone in the name of Jesus. We just pray now for healing and wholeness, Lord. And we pray for your love to be poured out. These people who are seated, they would know how much you love them. And I pray for those who have been praying for a long time and they're getting weary. I pray they would not grow weary. They would just continue to run to you and lean on you. 
And God, we pray for complete healing. We pray for improvement. Whatever you want to do, God, we are asking for that. You would just make people better, make them feel better. And God, we ask these things boldly, and we also ask them just trusting you. And I pray for those who maybe are, are not experiencing anything or, or maybe in the next few days are not, not experiencing anything. I just pray they would know, God, that you are trustworthy and that your heart is to heal. Your heart is for them. And I pray they would know that and we would just walk with you this journey of faith, trusting that if healing is not coming right now, there is something you are doing, that you are always at work. And so I thank you. I pray for that reminder and that encouragement upon these people. So we entrust them to you now. Holy Spirit, fill them, fill them with your peace and your power. Okay, thank you. Now, if, you, if you're prayed for, you can remain seated if you want. If you just kind of sense the presence of the Lord, you can remain seated and just enjoy his presence. The rest of you, if you are praying for someone, you can move back to your seat or move back to your seat. And we're going to, we're going to let the worship team now just lead us in a response of praise to this God who is so loving. So Jesus set us free to worship you. I pray even now for your healing power, God, maybe in people that weren't even seated, but just for your healing power to come and just continue to move in people's lives. Just pour out your love, pour out your heart and set us free now to worship you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Lord.